Welcome back to episode 11 of Blow and Win with the Great Southern Brain Fart. Yes, this one goes to 11, and this time around we're going to talk to legendary shock rocker Lizzie Borden. Inspired by such psychodrama acts as Alice Cooper and Kiss, Lizzie Borden hit the L.A. metal scene delivering an over-the-top stage show that made Wasp look like Warrant at times. If you don't believe me, just uh, go find the Murderous Metal Road Show on YouTube and you'll see what I'm talking about. But anyway, that aside, many years later and many lineup changes later, Lizzie Borden is back with his first album of new material in a long fucking time, and it couldn't have come at a better time. The album is called My Midnight Things, and I had the opportunity to talk to the murderous himself from his home in Las Vegas. We talked about the murderous Metal Roadshow live album from the 80s, their breakout performance and the decline of the Western Civilization Part 2, The Metal Years, and how fucking pumped he is to be back at his home label, Metal Blade, and to be hitting the road with a whole new production that is definitely going to take things over the top and to a level that Lizzie Borden himself has never been to. I hope you guys and gals all enjoy this episode of Blowing Wind with the Great Southern Brain Fart featuring the legendary Lizzie Borden. Lizzie Borden, I have to tell you, it is an honor to talk to you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, I appreciate that. Well, before I get started too long, I have to say, like most guys my age, or most people my age, my first introduction to Lizzie Borden was The Decline of the Western Civilization Part Two, The Metal Years. When that movie came out, I just remember the two things, actually the three things that my friends and I all said about that movie was it well let's make it four was it chris holmes is never going to survive odin will never make it seduced is good lizzie borden is the best fucking band on the planet and they should be fucking huge so i love that (laughs) i mean you know but like looking back on that does it blow your fucking mind that it has been 32 years since I mean yeah. it's been 32 years since you put out Murderous Metal Roadshow which was like my first Lizzie album yeah it's 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 mind-blowing uh the whole thing because uh you know who, who knows if the, the music industry has gone in so many different directions and that movie uh was I originally it was going to be the celebration of what was happening this gold rush that happened in, in you know in this one piece of the world and uh it was very different than what it, what happened in Seattle because no one rushed to Seattle I mean but everyone came to Hollywood to be a rock star mm-hmm. so uh that was the original intention behind the movie and then she saw this dark underbell underbelly of, about all these delusional people that weren't were not looking at it in in a, in a professional way, they were looking at it as uh, a dream that they had to obtain, although that well, otherwise, uh, you know, they were going to end their lives, you know, or whatever. So when she saw that, she kind of switched her, uh, the way she directed the movie. Uh, but it was cool. I mean, I, I, I love it. And right now when we go play Europe and uh, our audience is very young around the world, uh-huh. other than North America, it's all very young. 
And they love that movie. And they don't see that. They, they do see the celebration of that time. And that's the thing that they like. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a mind blower. Because it's really interesting, like how you brought that up. Because I'm sure that's one of the things you get asked the most, like when you, you know, when you're doing interviews. Like, do you ever get sick of talking about it, or like, because if you do, you can be like, dude, I'm gonna kick you in the nuts if we say anything more about it. You know, like. And I'm doing press for an album. I mean, you know, they're gonna. Most people just go across my career and find the things that they think is interesting to ask me about. And sometimes it's the same stuff, and sometimes it's different, but. Uh, it's all good. I mean, you know, I, I know what I'm doing here. I'm, I'm promoting my promoting my midnight things, and uh, and I'm talking about my career. So it's not it's not a horrible thing. Well, that's cool to hear because you know, like I've talked to a lot of bands, and some some bands say, "Oh, if I have to hear this question again," da, da, da. and then some bands are just like, "You know what? I never mind talking about it because it's a part of you know, it was a stepping stone. It was a part of what got me to where I am now and whatnot." You know, so that's cool that you have that outlook on it you know um but and just to not like not to dwell on it too much more though but looking at this movie so many years later um when was the last time that you watched it and when you watched it did you look at yourself and say that's exactly how i wanted it to be presented at that moment because I personally thought you came off as a real professional. You know what I mean? Like that that was the thing that impressed me the most. That was the thing that sent me out buying a Lizzie Borden album, you know, and why I couldn't care less about the other bands. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, cause I was like I was like, this dude's pretty this dude's serious. Like this is this dude's like you know, really into it. Like this is his thing. I need to go support this guy. Do you know what I mean? Like so do you look back on it now well, and go that's how I wanted to be presented, and I'm happy with that. Well, I'm certainly happy about the reaction that you got from it. <laughs> that was, that's exactly what I w- would have wanted, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't look back on it and, and go and cringe. You know, I haven't seen the movie in years. I don't, I don't even know the last time I saw it, but uh-huh. uh, I don't look back and, and cringe. I think I said everything that I meant, and it wasn't... Uh, um, you know, I don't look back and go, oh, God, what did I say then? But uh, so I think I, I, I'm all right with it. You know, I'm all right with our part in the movie. There's actually so much more that she filmed uh, that is uh, in a cutting room um, area somewhere. And we actually tried to get some of the footage because she shot our whole show. And we were going to use some of that footage. But the, the, uh, the uh, whoever put that movie out, I forget what uh, Paramount or whatever right. uh, put it out. You can't get it from them. It's just impossible. So, but there's a full live show um, <clears throat> that she shot, which was an amazing show that we did. And uh, uh, one one day, it would be a miracle to get that footage. But uh, yeah, I had a great time filming that movie. We'll have to hop the fences or something, man. You know what I mean? And like, go, like <laughs> storm the vaults or something. Where was that show filmed anyway? I always wanted to ask you that. What what venue was that that performance filmed in? It was Van Halen's uh, old hometown, uh, Pasadena, where, and they used to play this place all the time, Perkins Palace. Oh, and okay, it was, yeah. It was a great venue, and it used to be the, the king until everyone wanted to move closer to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so Hollywood kind of ruled for, forever. But Pasadena was about 35 minutes away, and... Um, and that was such a great venue, and it was an honor to play there just because of the or, uh, 
uh, the, the nature of that place and all the all the people that have played there and done stuff there. So uh, to have that movie film there was perfect. See, and it really captured the whole essence of your live show because again what, what, what was so funny was that the first album that I was actually able to obtain like or that I really went for right after seeing that movie was the Murderous Metal Road show obviously which was you know I mean I had the VHS tape of that and I had the, I've still got the double album I'm looking at it right now because yeah. that was actually filmed at the country club and I remember when you guys did Psychopath on that album my dad like is watching it with me and I'm like hi my face and he leans in at me he goes don't tell your mom you have this and I'm like okay I, you know, we're cool so yeah <laughs> but like that that to me is such an iconic live album that I don't feel like it ever got got its due as 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 being such a like a live staple of heavy metal but nowadays it's weird it's like i'm i'm hearing more and more people bring it up like do you start to hear more of your past being brought up now especially now that you're making this kind of comeback too with the new album and everything like all of a sudden i'm hearing your name a lot more frequently than i was you know even 5 years ago well, that's 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 what happens when you release a new album. People start talking about you know the longevity of it and their their album that was the one that they got around that time. And the most out al the album that I get uh, mostly is Master of Skies because it was the biggest selling record. Right. But I have been getting, I have been getting a few Murderous Metal Roadshow uh, here and there. And I know when I go to different markets, you know, you never know what albums are going to come to, for you to sign. And uh, sometimes you bring the whole catalog, and sometimes they bring, you know, uh, you know different ones. So it's uh, it, it changes for territory. But uh, yeah, I mean, when you put out an album and you're doing press and everything, people start talking about, you know, the first album they got. You know. Yeah, because you know. <laughs> One of the things that struck me the most, too, is that the fact that, you know, I mean, you started this in 1983. And so, of course, you, you, you know, you're talking like right on the cusp of everything that was happening on the Sunset Strip and in Hollywood at the time. You know, you're talking like, you know, what was it like, you know, Wasp was putting out their debut, you know, Crew, Rat, you know, everybody like was Lizzie Borden always your visual concept from the get-go or was that something that kind of came in when you saw everything that was going on in Hollywood and said we've got to do something to stand out well for me the first concert I had ever seen I was 15 I saw Kiss Mm -hmm. And that was it. That was it for me. I knew that that's what I wanted to do, and I wanted to invent a character. I knew I wanted to do uh, <laughs> resembling what they were doing, you know. And uh, so that was kind of my blueprint. Right. Uh, even as far as even like the banners on on the stage at that time, no one did that. Uh, uh, everyone was mimicking Van Halen at the time, and they had empty cabinets, on, on, you know, all over. But I just. <laughs> But I, but I just said, why am I, why am I promoting Marshall amps? Well, well, I don't get that. So I had banners 
created with a logo on there so i was promoting lizzie borden and now every band does it but i was the first to do it because no one and i didn't it just didn't make any sense that i was promoting marshall and uh especially when they're empty yeah only one working cabinet and a whole bunch but uh you know that but there were that's you know van halen was so huge at the time so they were just kind of mimicking what they saw mm-hmm. but i just i saw kiss and when i saw destroyer they had uh, uh you couldn't see any of the cabinets and i was like that's a show so that's the first thing i did was cover up the the mechanics of the show uh, you know the mechanics of the working working parts and and create that show and like i said uh, now every band does that and it's uh so at the beginning yeah i did there wasn't anybody to copy really because everybody was kind of you know if i was copying anybody it would be been kiss and cooper and uh bowie and the tubes <laughs> it wasn't what was what was uh currently playing there because you know, most bands didn't have a following I mean, right. you know, Metallica played in front of like three people the time I saw them, uh-huh. uh, you know, and and Wasp was playing in front of the same amount, but we all kind of grew very fast, and uh, the fan base started to happen, uh, really for all of us, really quickly. But as far as the theatrics, yeah, I was uh, I was mimicking what I was growing up on with the Tubes and and Cooper Bowie and Kiss and a few others. Because I love that because there's so many different elements to, to especially to the classic Lizzie Borden sound, you know, where like, you know, e- even now, at, uh, you know, at 44, when I go back and I listen to, you know, you know, I mean, gosh, I, I mean, Council for the Cauldron, like, it's as exciting now as it was in 86 when I heard it. Do you know what I mean? Because it's, oh, no. it, it still clicks with me as far as like, wow, it still sounds like the stuff that I loved, you know? But it, it you know, and, and, and the other thing too is like, I see so many of these younger bands that are coming out now, um, the younger metal bands, and you just look at them and there's zero, zero effort to their stage production. And then I go back and I look at like what you guys were doing on the same size stages that these bands are playing and I'm going, come on guys, just go look at the back of a Lizzie Borden record or a Wasp record and like, get an idea. Do you know what I mean? Do something to, to like, you know, I don't want to just look at your half stacks, you know, like I want to see... A, a show you know what i mean like well the, the difference is and, and it's a it's kind of an obvious difference is there's performers and then there's musicians right. and even if even if someone has a gigantic production and they just kind of walk around they're still not a performer they're just a musician which is not a bad thing it's awesome but uh you know but the performers are you know they understand entertainment a little bit better Musicians just understand to watch me play my instrument. And so those two things, sometimes they don't gel into the, into the same person. That's why I've always, you know, every, every lineup I've ever had, I search for people that are performers as well as musicians. I don't want a guy just standing there uh, showcasing his skill. You know, it, it doesn't interest me. So I want people to be in very interesting on stage, and that accentuates the production that you have. But you know, I've seen bands with giant productions, and they still just musicians just standing there, and that's fine too. It's a whole different animal, but it's the difference between performers and musicians. You know, that's interesting. I never really put put that together. I mean, because <laughs> you know, I mean, I I play in like a roots rock band. I mean, obviously, it would look super weird if we had stairs and ramps and pyro. You know what I mean? But like, you know, but like, I get, I get what you're saying 
understand though that there's you know there is that difference but you you found a way to kind of embody all of that you know into one and um if I remember correctly, Visual Lies was like a was a pretty big was it was a pretty big album for you um, when that one came out, and I remember that one getting a lot of play on MTV. Um, and then it's like you went away for a little while, and then you came back solo with uh, Master of Disguise. What? What was it that led to that kind of decision? Because I remember watching an old interview with you and Adam Curry, which, by the way, I thought was hilarious because I think that guy knew as much about metal as you know my mom does. But um, <laughs> um, but you you kind of touched base on that in, in an old interview where you're like something kind of fell apart. And now I'm going to do this solo record. Um, did that change the impact of like where you, or, or the direction of where you thought it was going to go as far as like popularity or anything like that or at that point were you just like i just have to do what i have to do well um master's guys is, is, is the biggest record i've ever done so right. i it didn't really hurt me <laughs> that's true yeah uh, that's very true yeah but at the same time um it's always been a solo uh band i mean i i promote I, sometimes if I have a lineup that I like, I'll promote it as a band. Mm -hmm. But it's really, it's never been a democracy. And uh, I've had so many different lineups and so many different musicians. I had three bass players before we recorded the first EP. So, and then you know, three guitar players before we recorded the next one. So, uh, you know, it, that, other than Joey Scott, it's always been... Um, a, a, a solo thing it's always been my vision i write even if i write a song with uh, anybody else it's usually uh, a guitar player giving me a riff and i'll take that riff and turn it into a song right, right. so you know i've never really written with another songwriter uh but so yeah i mean so it's always been i mean i'm the one to put the first ad out you know looking for a bass player and guitar player for a theatrical rock band so that that was uh that was, you know, it was always my vision and, and, how, and I, and, you know, I called the shots basically. Right. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to do it in a kind of authoritarian way. I just tried to find people that liked what I liked. So when I made decisions, uh, no one, uh, balked because, uh, they, they thought it was a good decision because they like what I like. Right. So, and, and you know, when it comes time where they no longer would I like what I like and they want what they want, then I just change the lineup into uh, a different lineup, you know? So it's, it's always been that way. Well, I mean, but that's cool because I mean, if it's, if it's your vision, because I think that goes back to what you said, kind of like about being a performer and being a musician, you know, there's also being, you know, you know, you know, being a leadership and being a democracy, you know what I mean? Like some artists function better, you know, I mean, you know, like look at Blackie Lawless, it's kind of like the same thing, right? You know, like he's got a vision and the minute somebody doesn't fit into that vision anymore it's like okay you're either part of it or you're not you're not okay cool thanks for playing i appreciate it you know um exactly. you know um but that's cool because I, I i always wanted to know that about you because i didn't i never really knew what it was that brought upon all of the different lineups of lizzie borden over the years yeah it's just you know people are in it all the way they love everything that's going on and then they start to veer off with their own influences and their own thoughts. And I say, that's fine, but do it somewhere else, you know? And, and that's why we just, you know, keep changing people up and, you know, cause I, I want to stay the course. I want to do what works for me. Right. And, uh, 
when it when it no longer works, then I just switch up the lineup, and it's 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 actually refreshing too because I've had uh, at least two lineups in this band where I've had the best time in my life touring all over the world, and one was the Master of Disguise touring lineup, and one was the. Um, uh, 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 the just the last one, or the one before the last one we did, was was uh, uh, the first couple legs of the uh, of the uh, anniversary tour that we did, and and uh, that lineup was amazing, and we had such a great time. Those two lines were my favorite, and, uh, uh, and I wish they would have stayed around, but it just uh, you know everyone has to go their separate ways, and that's the way it goes. And then you, you know, now I'm looking for a new lineup for the Midnight Things tour, and I'm sure it's going to be awesome and i'm not going to pick anyone that i don't like <laughs> so right. uh, <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean i mean you're gonna have to live with these fuckers for a while man you know so they exactly. might as well you know exactly and it's you know but it, it brings in so much new stuff you're not talking about stuff that you did you know 30 years ago you're, you're talking about brand new stuff you know that's happening now uh with with the new lineup and everyone's excited and that that bringing that excitement uh is, is really what it's all about so every time i get a new lineup it just brings all that energy in and it makes it really exciting for you know the, the two years that it usually does to, to tour around the world so and and speaking of touring like 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 how exciting is this man like you're you're putting out your first album in like what is it like it's been 11 years or so like am i right it's about 11 years since appointment with death i think and like this has got to be an exciting time for you because metal is really kind of especially over the past 10 years or so has experienced quite like a renaissance of sorts you know like not even with not only with just classic acts but with like new bands kind of uprising so where does lizzie borden in 2018 kind of fit into all this with my midnight things because from what i've heard of the album it is still very much lizzie borden but like it is also very much like you know move over kids let me show you how it's done (laughs) done you know what i mean (laughs) which i loved because i loved hearing that you know in you it doesn't sound like you know oh here's lizzie borden from 83 (laughs) you know what i mean like you know that was that was one of the things i didn't want to do you know i'm very not that i don't pay attention to nostalgia that much Mm -hmm. uh so it's always moving forward and uh you know the new album i'm when i go out and tour i'm going to be playing the songs off the new album you know and if there's any room left then i'll play some of the older songs but really the whole point of touring is to promote the new album and to play the new album so a lot of bands you know they play one or two songs off their new album but it's mainly about playing the hits or whatever but uh, i don't do that and i've never done that so um that excitement level is is really there too but yeah i mean uh uh, I don't think this album sounds like anyone on the planet, uh, especially in 2018. And so that's, that's, that's the kind of thing you're hoping to do. Any band is hoping to do that. And uh, so, you know, I don't know how to um, explain what it is I do. It, it's just like, uh, I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> But uh, I'm glad that I do it, and I'm glad that there's not a lot of... I can't think of anyone that uh, records albums the way I record them in this day and age, anyway. Well, can you describe... Can you... uh like like go into that a little more like like how so like how how do you do these things or like what is it that you do that you feel like kind of sets you apart from the other ones 
Um, well, I think bands in the seventies, certainly Queen, used to do it the way I did it, where you would record parts. You'd record the skeleton of a song, and then you fill it in. And you know, if I work with musicians, there's a trailer out for, for the new Queen movie, and it, it kind of he's, he's telling Brian May. You're, this is where the orchestra is going, or this is where the uh, thing is going. Right, I, mean, yes, I saw that. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but that's the way I record, uh -huh. and most people don't. Most people are bands, and they just jam, and, and they, they go do pre-production, and then they push record, and they go. I don't do it that way. I do it more like Queen, where I'm uh -huh. actually putting a skeleton together, and I'm filling in those slots with what I imagined that they could turn into. So uh, I don't... I, I, that's the way I do it, and it's it's a unique way in the way people record, especially bands record. So um, you know, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's closer to Queen than anything else. See, that's really cool because that was one of the things that I always loved about um, about Lizzie Borden albums was that they they especially you know master i mean and and of course like like master disguise obviously like you said is your biggest album but there's a reason for that you know like like you know visualize i remember was the album where like you know you know me against the world came out and a lot of my friends thought that song was great or whatever but like master disguise i remember thinking like that was where i started to really hear a lot of these like elements of recording do you know what i mean like there was like layers and things that it, it was a listening experience do you know what i'm saying as opposed to just being like straight up raw twin guitar metal in your face it was like an experience and that yeah. seems to carry over with especially with like deal with the devil and appointment with death but like you know with my midnight things i mean i can imagine are you you must be having a blast with technology at this point yeah, I mean, even on Masters Guys, it's just uh, we got our first eight track, and I just re wrote and recorded by myself in a room for months, trying to figure out how to do it. You know, mm -hmm. and it was, uh, and it was, uh, it was an experience that taught me so much because once I completed the demos, then I had something. It was, it was really, it was different than being, you know, writing a song, you know, in my living room and then going to rehearsal and flushing that song out with a band. It, it was a different experience, and I loved that experience. It was way more creative, and uh, I, my imagination was just running wild in comparison to, you know, if I write a song <laughs> really quickly and I go in with a band, you know, it's, it's flushed out before I get a chance to really imagine it. And, uh, you know, that's why we worked, that's why we had so many songs so quickly, because I would write them and we'd go to rehearsal and flush them out and that would be a song we move on to the next song and uh with with doing it uh, with technology and able to do it myself my imagination is just set free i'm able to do so much more and it's funny that you say that because so many bands you know modern bands have issues with technology where they talk about like oh it's it, it, it's it takes away from this and it takes away from that and i'm like but god man how amazing is it like even even for like myself as a musician that i can demo a song i can upload it to dropbox my band can download it listen to it and then when we meet for rehearsal they've got their parts written out so we're so we've already like saved like five hours worth of work you know what i mean yeah, just yeah. just by having that step you know so with uh well the thing that the thing that saves me is joey scott on drums he's the one uh his 
drums or he's so old, he's an old school drummer so he plays Absolutely. with feel so he doesn't play like a, a drum machine uh-huh. like uh, and even real drummers you know that's what that's what guitar players and bass players want they just want uh, a perfect timing behind them and uh that strips the soul of a song it makes it great to play if you're a guitar player or bass player but it's not great to listen to Oh, because it's you know, mechanical, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. because part of what was so fun about me- that's why I don't like a lot of modern metal bands, because I feel like there's so much, you know, triggering and, you know, mechanics and click tracks and stuff. And it's like, I miss that looseness and that kind of, like you said, that kind of old school feel to just the music. Yeah. And that's the way he plays, and and I, you know, I did not. It was very short-handed when, I, you know, as far as <laughs> telling him what, what the what the way I imagined these drums, because he already knew. He just listened to the song, and it was like, okay, I know exactly what this needs. And so, you know, he all that kind of moving drums, it, it, it just moves. It moves the song in a, in a real way, and it doesn't uh, sound mechanical. And that was what I was going for. I didn't want to have, even though I'm playing most of the parts. I didn't want that. Uh, I don't want you to see the puzzle. I want you to flow, you know. And so that's that's kind of that's 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 the glue that actually held the whole thing together and made it sound real. Well, so with that being said, like you're you're going to embark on a, what I'm hoping is going to be a tour that's big enough to bring you to Atlanta. I don't even remember the when was the last time you were in Atlanta because I I was probably not even old enough to get into the show where you play. I've never seen you live. Yeah, we played. I think it was a place called Masquerade. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. That was the place we used to play all the time. In fact, I had like. 10 different wardrobes uh, changes and uh, our crew, we were really thin on our crew. So they were on stage and I'd have to run back to this thing and change my uh, wardrobe there and come back on stage. And the Black Crows opened up for us. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, they're the only ones that had the key to the to the dressing room. And when I came back at the end, all my costumes were gone. Oh so, no. I'm not I'm not saying they took it. I'm just saying they were the only other band only other people to have the keys to the to the dressing room. So and that's the that's the thing I remember about uh playing the masquerade. So this just might be the greatest story I've heard in a long time. Seriously. The the black Chris potentially stole your costume. This is fantastic. <laughs> I wish I knew those guys. I'd ask them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty funny. Well, so are there? So, uh, like like I said, are there are there plans to really tour extensively behind my midnight things that'll hopefully bring you to places like Atlanta again after so many years? Well, I mean, I'm, the last major tour we've done in North America was like 2014. Right. And uh, we played, uh, you know, and then there's been a few tours right before that, too, uh, across the, uh, across uh, the U.S. But, uh-huh. uh, yeah, I mean, right now I'm, I wanted the album to come out first, and I wanted everyone to get used to the songs because there hasn't been an album in so long. So, um, and then I also wanted to do videos. Because you know that's a great format for for me especially. So the first one comes out tomorrow, and uh, I'm excited about that. And then we're going to film the next few in, in the next uh, few weeks. So those are things I kind of like 
thinking about right now, but I'm also working on the show. Uh-huh. So, so you know, right now the production that we're working on, it's going to be the biggest production we've had since since Visualize Master of Disguise era. So oh, I'm, wow. I'm excited about that too. Yeah, I'm. I'm it, it's a lot feasible now to do that stuff uh, production wise and travel around the world. Uh, with it than it used to be. It used to be impossible. We had during the Visualize tour, uh, we had giant TV sets on, you know, that we came out of. Right. Uh, on, on the tour. <laughs> but when we went to Japan, it was impossible to ship our stage production there. So they just built a new stage production for us in Japan. Oh so, gosh, uh, I can't even. Yeah. Logistical nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, it was, but now you don't have to do that. So now it's a lot better. So I'm, I'm, I'm planning on bringing the Midnight Things tour all around the world, and uh, excited to do it. But I am taking it very slow, and we'll see uh, as we go. Yeah. When I'll, when I'll do it. Well, so one of the things I wanted to talk, talk touch on too that you said something about is that you know you love playing material from your new albums, which I think is such a great thing, which and unfortunately a rare thing because you know like you go see so many bands and you know they have a new album and you get like two songs off the album, but then you know I mean obviously, dude, I'd love to hear all the Lizzie hits and everything, but you know like if I'm gonna go see you, man, like I, I want to hear you. I want to hear you back your material. You know, like if you've got something new out, like you know, cash that check. You know what I mean? Like, show yeah, me that's, how proud. That's the old show thing. me how proud of it you are. You know? Yeah. If you believe in your record, you should play it. Absolutely. And uh, I believe in it, so I, I really want to play it. And you know, it brings new life to me and uh, you know the stage show and the whole thing. Uh, but I also do believe in the other side, you know, I'm an entertainer and I want to entertain. I don't want people to yell out songs from the back catalog and, and never get their song played, but I, it's not a jukebox, you know, it's a, it's, you know, I'm putting on the midnight things show. So you're going to get the midnight things songs, but I also, uh, will do anniversary tours where I'll do a full best of set, you know, I, and I'll do those and I've done those. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have no problem with that either. You know, that's 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 fine. But if I have a new album out, I'm going to promote the new album, and and, uh, and then you know, I'm hoping people love the new album more than they love uh, the back catalog. So you know, we'll see what happens. You know, but it's just. Um, that's the that's my way of thinking. So it's been, it's always been that way, right? And it's got to be exciting too because you know you've kind of gone back home again with uh, Metal Blade. Like, how 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 does that feel to kind of be back there after? You know what I mean? Like, this seems like a coming home kind of thing for you. It is, and they've had some. Uh, they figured out how to do it, you know, because this music industry was this was so bad. It affected everybody, including them. But they crawled out from that col- collapse, and they figured out how to do it. And now they're more successful than they ever were. Uh-huh. And um, they figured out how to mesh it all together, and they work with everybody: managers, producers, directors, everybody. And and that is something that, that labels usually never did. Right, you know, managers managers would deal with everything, and they would be the conduit to the label. But now this label is different. They actually are, are the conduit to everything, and that's why uh, so many of their bands are top ten bands. 
<laughs> so you know, uh, when it came to time to making a new record on Metal Blade, I was like, okay, well, I, I like the new system. I couldn't possibly do an album with the old system, and uh, but with the new system, it actually is totally feasible to do it now. So uh, I mean, I, so far it's been right. I mean, so far everything that's been happening, we're having a wild party here uh, at Hard Rock Live the, the night before the night before the release. So it's going to be really, uh, you know, that's that's something really cool we haven't had a party for a release party god since master of disguise i think which has got to be so fun for you because again like it's not only is it kind of like a homecoming but it it must be kind of like a exciting time to be like oh man this is how i remember it but like it's happening again and it's feasible it's not just oh man i'm putting out another record <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like there's a huge celebration behind it and the label loves the album too which is a bonus really <laughs> but yeah i mean the, we used to have wild release parties that we had one in the orchestra room at the Capitol records it was i think it was for the visualized tour and we had like four or five hundred people all industry people in there and playing the record and everyone's loving it and it was such a great time and we've done that for a lot of the records. We had great release parties. And so uh, to have that happen again, it feels like old times. And this one's going to be, could be the biggest release party we've ever had because we open it to the public. Right. So, uh, oh, it's gonna, man. It's going to be a... It's gonna be a cool celebration and and uh, and a packed one, so I'm excited by it. And they're also re-releasing um, with "Love You to Pieces" and "Menace to Society." Um, they're re uh, reissuing that um, on like new like colored vinyl and stuff. So that's gotta be kind of a cool thing to kind of be tying in like you know this new album, but plus also kind of giving some of your classic stuff a new a new breath of life or something. Um, how do you feel about that the, the kind of coinciding I, I, together? Well, the fact that vinyl is coming back in any way is, is really interesting. I've never thought it would. And, uh, you know, you go to any electronic store and they, they've got turntables stacked up to the ceiling. And I know so many young kids are, are playing vinyl, which I, it seems so cool because that's really how you slow that down and really uh, try to understand an, an album. And, and you know, you, you've actually go got to go through the motions of putting, getting the record, put it in there. You see the big cover, you look at it. So to have that come back is so cool. Uh, and, and they're going to do it with the whole back catalog. They're just going to do it slowly. So uh, I think the next couple will come out um, uh, in, in, I don't know, towards the end of the year, probably. So I wonder if they'll re-release the uh, the Betamax version of Murderous Metal Show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think they're going to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the other thing, too, is um, that I wanted to talk about with, um, with you is that, uh, I mean... I, I, again, just the longevity of, of what you've been doing and how long you've been doing it. Like, what kept you going? Because, again, so many of you... I mean, not to harken back to the movie, but, like, you know, so, I mean, a lot of those bands never got as far as you did. And some of them got close and packed it in after so many years. But what was, what was it that, keep, that keeps that fire burning for you? I think just because I love it, you know, I just love, I love touring the world. I mean, I, there's not one country that I dread going to. Uh -huh. I love, I love them all. 
And uh, every time I go to a new country, we went like uh, last year, we went to Russia and South Korea and, and a lot of places that we'd never gone before. So it's, it's still always a new experience because I'm still exploring different places that we haven't played. And the reaction we get is very similar to a reaction we get from it, from places we've played before. So that's even more interesting. Um, and I and but and, and now that I'm recording again, I, I, I missed being a recording artist. So now I'm <laughs> back doing that again, which is the other half of what I do. And so uh, that's added so much fuel to the fire. That's why I, mean, I signed a three album deal. And, and I'm chomping at the bit to start working on the next record just because I'm, I'm so excited by it, you know. Well, it's funny because, like, you know, by the time your album is coming out, like, it's already old to you because you've already started, like, working on the next one, you know? So you're like, ah, I wish I could put out, like, this three albums at a time, you know? Yeah, yeah I, I take each album separately, so I do put, I like to put a little gap between the records because I want to clean the palette and, you know, because now I'm going to be writing about something completely different. Right. So uh, I, I've been dabbling with ideas and working on that. But, uh, you know, I've got so many things going right now with Midnight Things, and I want to keep my focus on that. Otherwise, I'd probably be half done with the album right yeah, now. Right. Well, so what can you tell me about the concept behind My Midnight Things? And, uh, and w without, you know, without divulging too much, um, how it's going to coincide with, uh, with, the, with the, like how the live performance is going to tie into it. Well, I mean, uh, my midnight things anyway, you know, everyone has their own interpretation of what I'm talking about. And that's so, such a, that's what art is to me. You know, when you, when you go, oh, I think he's talking about this or I think he's talking about that. I love that. So I don't want to say what I was in my mind at the time, but to tell you the truth, there was uh, multiple things in my mind. Right. Uh, when I, when I, when I, that's the reason why I called it my midnight things. But as far as the show, yeah, it's going to tie in. Uh, all the songs are going to tie in together uh, in in some way, and I'm going to try and mix in some of the some of the older songs as well. But we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm working on that now, and it, it, it's a struggle. <laughs> well, so also, you have to, you know, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 no. Go ahead, go ahead. You were, you were, you were saying. No, I'm just saying that, uh, you know, uh, if you're playing festivals or you're playing headline clubs or, or you're supporting another act, there's a different uh, approach you need to do for each one, but I want to keep it the same show, you know, mm -hmm. so that's kind of how, how I do things. It's some festivals you're doing a 90-minute uh, show, some festivals you're doing a 45-minute show, so... But yeah, I mean, the show will will be heavily uh, the the imagery and everything will be involved. Will be my midnight things, you know. So, so are there? I'm, like, I'm, I'm working. I'm working with um, uh, special effects guys now. We're coming up with different things that work with the show. So uh, we're at the very beginning stages of it right now. That's what I was going to ask you. Actually, is like what stage you were at as far as developing the show. Yeah, we're. I'm, I, I mean, I've. I've developed a lot of it so far, and I like what's coming out. Uh, but now I'm starting to talk to my special effects guys, and uh, they've heard the record, and they're coming up with ideas too. And then there's, you know, I'm already being kind of blown away. And I've talked to production guys as far as stage production, and they have come up with ideas on how to make this feasible to tour around the world. And uh, so it, all that stuff is is happening, but it's in the beginning stages of it right now. So, 
with you saying that, like, obviously we're going to hear the bulk of uh, material from uh, my midnight things. Is is there any like? classic songs from the bat from the past that haven't been played in a while or if ever that you look back and you go man i would love to just pull that one out again just you know just 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 just, just to do it um well the, the songs off of master of the skies i like to play but sometimes if you don't have the lights and you don't have the right thing and that that album was so um theatrical uh -huh. that if you don't have, if you don't have the lights to work with you it loses some of that it works great on the album but when you play it live it doesn't give everything that it, it, it could give so sometimes i omit some of those songs because that we're playing a festival during the day and i know i'm not going to get that, that that theatrics it's more of a sunny uh beach feel you know so uh it's a different ball game you know and i can't just bring down the sun so uh you know uh, you can and you can't force these things because they don't work that way uh, but there's a lot of songs i mean the first two albums were not hugely successful uh, so I, I i play some of that stuff but it's really master of skies and um and i love the songs on deal with the devil i'd love to play more of them uh <coughs> especially loving you is murder loving you is murder might make oh, that's a the show that's a great fucking song man <laughs> that really is yeah, that's that, a great time that song that song was going to be the single off that album but they decided not to do any videos or anything for that album so but that song um probably will make the show but we'll see you know it's funny that you because you're talking about the video medium again and um a, a friend of, of mine and i were just talking about this a couple of days ago was that you know for obviously mtv doesn't even exist anymore well i mean as we know it it doesn't exist anymore and you know so for the longest time videos just were just passe they were they, they 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 were useless but with with the popularity of youtube especially over the past few years i've seen bands making incredible videos you know and so it's got to be cool to know that like you've got an audience and a medium like especially like with youtube but that you don't have to deal with all the the political bullshit and bureaucracy of mtv to get it played you can just put it out there and just be like hey here's my video go watch it you know what i mean <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. We did a video for Master of Skies called Love is a Crime, and Zack Snyder directed it, who directed uh, Justice League and, and Superman and you know, all these great movies. But he directed us when he was just a kid. You wow. know, we were one of his first, first projects. But MTV rejected it because it, they were t the, there was a woman running it, and she didn't want to see any, any more women in videos. Because uh, so, you know, everybody was using women in their videos, and she said, I'm, I'm done, and I'm starting with you. You know, and, uh, and you know. You had to view the example. Just, <laughs> 20 years later, this guy goes on to be one of the biggest directors in the movie industry. And, uh, and his video was a great video. It was, uh, it was one that was uh, probably, at, at the time, was the best video we, ever, we had ever done. And it was one of his first uh, things as a kid. So, um, you know, it's tragic that some woman or whoever could stop that progress of this, this budding director because she didn't want to see videos uh, with women in, in them anymore. So, yeah, n not having to deal with that, those kind of people and those people that are just going to just uh, stop things in your career or 
that, that just because they feel a certain way, uh, it's just, you know, it's awesome. It's so freeing, you know. And, you know, the ratings for MTV were never that huge anyway. Right. And so uh, now it's exposed to the world. So um, it's... Uh, well, so much of MTV too back in the day was like I mean, even though they they would never discuss it and talk about it, but me and my buddies would look back on it and be like, you know, it was totally payola, you know, like whatever band was or whatever label was fronting the most money that their bands got played during the day, you know, or like even in Headbangers Ball, that's why we always used to joke around and say that the best bands were played in the last forty five minutes of Headbangers Ball, <laughs> because, you know what I mean? Because you're like, wow, that's some good shit. Like I had to stay up really late to hear it but like why aren't they being played first you know and so it's nice that like you said you have that power now and that that kind of liberated freedom to just say hey you know here's a video that we made here this, we made it the way you know I made it the way I wanted to make it here it is watch it you like it love it don't don't watch it <laughs> you know yeah. Hey. yeah I mean and if you knew how Headbangers Ball was run you would uh, you would just cry I mean, I, I hosted it in one time, and and it was run by a bunch of college students who didn't number, number one did not like the music, and did not care about the show. They were just doing it for credits. And uh, we came in for all these show ideas, and they just said, "No, we we just uh, have you read the teleprompter, and that's it." And yeah. it, it was it it was the most unartistic people that I've ever met running that uh, that show. And that's why it became stale and boring because it was run by people who didn't care and they were not artistic in any way. So uh, I, I was like, I walked out of there going, oh my God, this show is, is, is it has such power to it and it could be so fun and, and, and engaging. And instead, it's run by people who don't care and don't care about the music, don't care about the bands, have zero desire to be interesting in any way. And uh, in fact, the more boring, it was the, what they actually wanted. And uh, so it was. It was. Uh, that's when I just said, you know what? I don't care about being on this station anymore. You know, and it doesn't surprise me because looking back on it now, you know, like I said, like I just, I just remember even being in high school and me and my friends watching Adam Curry when he hosted it, and we were like. Like, why does he have a clipboard in his lap? Does he not know anything about these guys? Like, you know what I mean? So we were like, at least it got slightly interesting when Ricky Rackman took over and he was a metalhead and things like that. But but there still was this kind of feeling that, like, that I, I, that I wasn't really getting the good stuff. Do you know what I mean? That I mean, I was getting good stuff, but that, you know, like all things, the really good stuff is the stuff you have to kind of dig and kind of find. And Well... It started out good. Uh, they had uh, it was called Metal Mania, and Dee Snider hosted it. Yeah, and he, he was so interesting and so funny, and 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 kept saying he talked a mile a minute, so you were never bored, you know. And it, he he just took over the whole thing, and he should have taken over Headbangers Ball when they transitioned, but they didn't want to pay him. But he was the most interesting host. They need you know. You need a very interesting host when you're uh, when you're you're doing a show every week, and you, you, you know you know, the host is very important. Right. So if it's not if it's not interesting, it all falls on the the uh, the artist. And most artists, like we talked about earlier, are musicians. So they're just going to come in and go, yeah, 
we played heavy on this album and it was good, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you're like, the, I want to come out of a television. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like, where's my TV oh, to bust out of? You mean you told me to sit on this couch? That sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We came in there with props. We came in there with a whole bunch of different things and they, they nixed it all. And I just said, well, you got to be kidding me. You just want me to read the teleprompter? Yeah. We don't want you to be interesting at all. Just read the teleprompter. <laughs> we don't want you to be like, interesting at all. That's great. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is just terrible. This is how you run this show. This is, this is terrible. So. Well, man, I, I couldn't be happier for you because one of the things that I think I'm so excited to hear from you, um, especially being a fan for so many years and like I said you know from 1986 to you know 2018 like to hear you so excited about the present and the future and to not be one of those that are so rooted in the past to where you're like hanging on like this this is a really exciting thing for me so like I have to give you kudos for that because I think that's really pretty you know spectacular well, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> you know, the press has been so good about this record. I've, I've never had the response that I've been getting from this record, from any record. So it, it's, it's contagious. It's, it's, you know, it's, because it's, it's very, you know, when you're working on a record, you don't know what the response is going to be. And you just do it. Even the video that we just did, I didn't know. I mean, I saw the roughs and I was like, well, I don't know if people are going to like this or not. But so far, everyone that's seen it is blown away by it. So I'm like, you know, okay, well, you know, you don't know until you get it, but it, it, that kind of uh, enthusiasm is contagious, and uh, so uh, I'm 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 loving just to be part of it. I mean, but it's it, it really is. It's spreading from you, you know, because like I said, it, it it's it's that Iron Maiden kind of mentality. Where like, and I, you know, to to, and what I mean by that is like, every time Maiden puts out a new album, there is this level of excitement and almost not hype but like the band is so pumped for it and when they go out on the road they do like half the album you know what i mean and like yeah. they're super pumped about it and so like it's you can't help but be excited about something when the artist is that excited so like i started out this interview today with you being excited to talk about you know 1986 and now i'm all excited about dude please make sure Atlanta's on the fucking tour date so you can come here so I can see this show. You know what I mean? So, like, just just in the span of, you know, 50 minutes, I've, you know, I, you know I've already forgotten about the murderous metal road show and now I want to see this one. You know? So that's, that's, uh, that's, that's what I'm trying to do, really. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, every time I put show, a new show together, I feel it's the best show. It's better than the show we did before. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I constantly try and do that. And uh, I'm going to put a lot into this show, and I'm, I'm hoping to bring it everywhere. Really, uh, it's about fan support. It's about uh, uh, lots, lots of different things, why we come to whatever territory. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to bring this show everywhere, including Atlanta. So, the the release date of the album is June fifteenth. So we've got a little time between you know between. So now, when do you think you're gonna um, launch the tour? Are you gonna try to wait till maybe after the new year to to launch this? Because this seems like it's gonna be a pretty big uh, haul for you. Yeah, I, and that's what I uh, you know we're starting to think we're as we're putting this together, we're thinking could we do it? Could we? I love winter tours. 
I really, I, 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 I'm one of the crazy people who like it. Uh, I actually so like them too, man. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 there's a lot of musicians who hate it, but I, I absolutely love doing winter tours. And so I'm not opposed to starting it towards the end of the year, but we'll see. You know, uh, the first thing first, get, get the album out, get the response from the fans, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then we go from there. Yeah, well, I am super excited for you, and I'm super excited for the album and the video. And like I said, it was an honor to talk to you. And I'm, what a great dude, man! You're you're as nice as you were on you know, the Metal Years. So I, that's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you I appreciate that <laughs> well look man well good luck with the album and everything and with the uh, the staging of the tour and I'm hopefully gonna look forward to seeing you here in Atlanta at the Masquerade which still exists by the way but it's in a new location wow yes unreal they actually just moved they they, they just moved about uh, almost two years ago um, to a new location because the old place you know the old wooden place where you guys played was um has been bought out by like a big development so but they they've got a much cooler room now you know like they've got the still have the three rooms but they're three different clubs in one little like courtyard kind of setup and uh um definitely gonna have room for you to put that show on so that sounds perfect we'll make it happen i'm your guy okay <laughs> and I'll try to get in touch with the Black Crows and find out if they have your fucking costumes too. So <laughs> yeah, that's hysterical. <laughs> well, Lizzie, thank you. Turn to me after all these years. <laughs> you, you know, Chris Robinson probably wore them in like you know, like '95, and we just don't know about it. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, really. You know, they, they they did have their little glammy period there for a little bit, so who knows, man? Maybe he was running around in some of your fucking fishnets or whatever, you know? Who knows? You know but anyway, so... Well, dude, well, thanks for taking the time to do this, man. It was a pleasure, and um, again, just best of luck to everything. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate talking to you, and uh, we're going to bring the Midnight Things back to Atlanta. I'm, I'm, I'm sure of it. Well, bring, just bring it everywhere. Bring it big, man. <laughs> That's the only way I know how. <laughs> All right, man. Well, you take care. Thanks a lot. Okay, man. All right. Bye-bye.